Well, it's, uh, it's good to see you all. Good to uh, be back together again. Um, just listen to that song. Uh, how many of you knew that song? Not too many. I think it's fairly new to us. Is, is that the first couple times we sang it? Second time? And, uh, but, you know, as the song's going through, I'm thinking, um, in order for Jesus to be Lord, you know, somebody's got to be dethroned. That's you. <laughs> if you're going to declare Jesus as Lord, you've got to get off the throne of your life and, and stop uh, thinking that you're in charge and you're the boss. And so um, it was just kind of a great little reminder of that. But um, as we uh, continue through um, our issue here of what it means to be a disciple, we're going through uh, the Great Commission. And <clears throat> I was thinking through this uh, um, we're going to be gone again here soon. And next week we're taking some kids to CIY, and that that stands for Christ in Youth. We're going to take them to Missouri or to <laughs> not Missouri. Uh, if we do that, we're in trouble. Uh, we're taking them to Michigan, and um, we're going to have a great time together. But then the following week is Molly and my 20th uh, wedding anniversary. So I know you're shocked how such a young guy could have been married for 20 years. Um, but uh, we're going to be gone. We're going to go to church somewhere. I haven't determined yet. But whenever we do that, you know, uh, we always miss our church here. I mean, it's nice to kind of see what another church does and worship with another church. But um, this, is, this is our church, and this is where we want to be, and this is where we love to be. And, um, and over the last almost 15 years... Um, this church has been foundational in my spiritual growth. Um, just I've learned so much and grown so much and experienced so much with the Lord here. And, and so it's one of those kind of interesting things where it's you, you, uh, you think, well, I'm the leader. I'm, I'm spiritually mature, right? Uh, I shouldn't uh, be uh, growing anymore because I've I've become a uh, mature disciple. Would you agree? No. <laughs> Say no. That's not, that's not how it is. Uh, when I went to a college, um, we took a lot of Bible classes. In fact, the college I went to, if you got a degree there, then you would always uh, get an associate's degree in Bible. So we learned, you know, introduction to the New Testament, introduction to the Old Testament. We learned, um, you know, we had a class on Deuteronomy. We had a class on Luke and Acts. Uh, we had a class called hermeneutics. Anybody know what hermeneutics is? Hermeneutics is, uh, it should have been a, an exciting class um, <laughs> because it, what hermeneutics is is how to interpret the Bible. Um, and so we, we learned all these wonderful things, theology, and um, we had uh, great content and then we had some other things that were involved in our development as, as people who were potentially moving into ministry, which is we went to chapel twice a week. Anybody go to a school where they had chapel and that you were required to go? Uh, we went to chapel on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and that was a requirement. And if you missed so many chapels, then you, I don't know, got docked something. I don't, I don't know what it was. I never found out. I always went to chapel. And then uh, we had this one other thing. It was called uh, spiritual formation. And that was a 
wouldn't say it was a class. Mommy. I think he saw mom. So we had spiritual formation where um, we would get together with a small group of guys, in my case, guys, gals met with gals, and we had a, uh, a professor or staff member who was our, you know, advisor, and uh, we would do that, uh, meet every week and talk and discuss things, and, and so by the time, you know, you went through all these different things, spiritual formation, and learned all the, the stuff from the Bible and theology, and went through, you know, all the developmental things that you're going to do in college, the idea right, is that as you graduate, that you are a mature disciple. That was, that was, and you're ready to then lead churches. I mean, this is a Bible college, and they're developing, uh, training up pastors. I knew freshman students in college, this actually boggles my mind, new freshman students in college who are already pastoring churches. And I'm, I couldn't quite believe it. I was like, I, I am not ready for that. I wasn't really ready for that when I graduated. But you, you kind of think, and maybe we don't think this way because I don't necessarily think this way, but, but generally people think that you go through a process, whatever process it is. You go through a system of teaching. You go through a class. You go through a process. And then you come out of that process a mature disciple. Right? And now you're ready to then just be a Christian. I don't have to learn anything else. I don't have to do anything else. I've, I've graduated. And we know that that is absolutely not true. Discipleship means a lifelong, continual process of following Jesus that you never graduate from, you never learn everything that you need to learn completely, you never accomplish and get a certificate, and you're just always in that process of growing and learning and discovering and following. And, and so people sometimes get a little bit frustrated because they want to achieve something, right? They want to they feel like I've done X, Y, Z, and now I'm ready to move on to the next thing. And what happens in the Christian life is that you're just constantly discovering new depths of what it means to follow Jesus. Okay? Is that, is that how you would understand it? So here's what we're going to do. As we walk through the Great Commission, we're going to dive into how to continue to grow as disciples and then what it means to then make disciples of, of other people. All right, so let's stand as we read God's word. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. The Great Commission says this. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority and in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
And Lord Jesus, again, we come to worship, we come to honor, but Lord, we thank you that uh, in all of these things, you promise, you guarantee that you will be with us to the very end, Lord. And uh, we need that. We need your spirit to guide us. We need your truth uh, to be our foundation. Uh, We need uh, your help constantly uh, as we uh, find our relationship, Lord, with you is, is all to us, Lord. We uh, develop and grow and, and learn and, and begin to understand more of what it means uh, to be um, fully the people that you created us to be, Lord, as we uh, find ourselves in our relationship with you. And uh, as we um, stray from that, God, oftentimes we, we find that we're, we're not the, the person that we want to be. And so bring us back, God, wherever we've been, wherever we've uh, traveled in our lives and our spiritual journey. Lord, we pray that you would bring us back. We thank you that uh, discipleship is a journey and it's a continual process and, and it's never over. And uh, Lord, that one, one day we will uh, graduate when we enter into uh, heaven and we will know what we didn't know and we will be what we have never been. Lord, we will be glorified and find our new body, and we'll have uh, knowledge that we've never known before. But Lord, we step into eternity, Lord, as believers, uh, already confessing Jesus is Lord. And so we have a hope in eternity, and, and not a fear. We thank you for that, Lord. But in this life, God, we look around, and we see a world that does not know, does not understand, does not see who you are, Lord, we need to display that. We need to confess it. We need to live it. And Lord, we need to uh, proclaim it. And Father, we pray that we would, first of all, um, own it for ourselves, that it would be our reality so that other people can see it lived out in our lives. Lord, we pray for the strength of your spirit to do all of this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So the first thing that we see in the Great Commission is that they, the 11, are worshiping, okay? And it says, they worshiped him, but some doubted. How many of you think that uh, if you read the Gospels, that that's not that surprising? (laughs) Uh, How many of you know who Thomas is? Anybody know who Thomas is? What was his nickname? Doubting Thomas. So we have one guy who has uh, displayed doubt pretty consistently in his life, and yet he's still a called uh, apostle of Christ. He's a disciple of Jesus. He's going to lead uh, the church in the, in the days ahead. Um, but here's what happens, is that they worship some doubt. And what are they doubting? Do you ever wonder that? Do you think they doubted that he, Jesus was alive? That wouldn't make a lot of sense, would it? He's been... Uh, with them for the last 40 days, so that's apparently not the issue. Um, But I think the clue is that they worshipped and some doubted. They were doubting whether or not it was appropriate to worship. And while we would say, man, that's weird, why would they do that? The reality of it is that that was probably an appropriate thing for them to doubt because the Old Testament taught very clearly there's only one God, right? And he is alone to be worshipped. Don't worship any other gods. 
Would you agree? These are good Jewish boys. They know their Bible. They understand that uh, God alone should be worshipped. And here's Jesus. And they've already asked these questions. In fact, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. That'll be enough for us. And Jesus says to him, you remember, Philip, I've been with you all this time. Don't you know that I'm in the Father? The Father's in me. If you've seen me, you have seen what? The Father. And he, he actually says, how could you ask such a thing? It's like, oh, I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> it, it, was, it was hard. It was a mystery. It was, and we do have doubts, don't we? I mean, there are things that we still kind of doubt and wonder. And, uh, and uh, man, I don't know. Like, if you've read this book, you're going to come away with some questions. Would you agree? Some things that I'm just not sure how that all works out and what's, what's the meaning of this. And, but then there's even more than that. You live your life on this earth and you begin to question and wonder what God's will is. What's he doing? What, what is he, why did he let that happen? That's, that was a pretty good person and boom, they're out of the picture. And this person, why? They don't deserve that. And they got... And we kind of come to God and we just kind of wonder and, and question things. And we might even question our own faith. You ever question your faith? Am I strong enough? Do I believe enough? Am I going to be accepted when I die? Is God going to be okay with me? Am I, am I right with the Lord? Am I, I don't know, I'm not that confident. I, I fear, I, I hope I, I am. And we have all these things that are constantly swirling around and I'm going to tell you, Jesus gives the answer to the question. Okay, they question. He, he, he knows that they're questioning. He knows that they're doubting. And he says to them, baptize them in the name. The name, which is singular. means Father, Son, Holy Spirit is one. And let me tell you a truth that you maybe not have heard before. Um, because we're, we're constantly as preachers, we're trying to explain things, and uh, we want to explain the Trinity and, and give you analogies and illustrations so that you can kind of understand. I'm going to tell you something. The Bible does not ever explain the Trinity. Did you know that? Never makes an effort to explain it. It just declares it. This is the truth of who God is. This is his nature. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and he has been so eternally. That's, that's who he is. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity from eternity past. He is God. And all the questions that we have, and, and we'll still have questions, and we'll still have things that we scratch our head over and wonder about, um, a, a lot of them are solved in worship. When you begin to worship and honor and revere and praise God and thank God and give Him glory, something begins to happen in your heart, which is that a lot of the questions that you have begin to disappear as, as God is expanded in your life and in your view. He, he begins to be more important than the things of life that are concerning and, and are difficult and, and we question. And, and so worship becomes that umbrella over which everything else 
kind of lives. And so when I say worship, I don't just mean that, yeah, we come and we sing songs and, and great songs and truthful songs and wonderful you know, experiences with, with God and, and uh, doing that. But I mean that every day in your heart, you set apart Jesus as Lord. That I revere him, I respect him enough to say he's in charge and I'm not and what does he want and that's what I want to do. And then this whole issue of discipleship kind of gets more manageable. It doesn't get necessarily easy or completely solved, it just gets more manageable under that. And so the process is this, Jesus is Lord, when I accept that truth and I proclaim that, then that means that I am a saved person. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, that means he's alive, okay, he's a living Lord, then you will be what? Saved. Then it says, after I've received the truth claims of Scripture and the Lordship of Jesus, and I've proclaimed that in my heart, then I confess that openly, publicly through baptism. I'm going to show the symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection by actually going into water and proclaiming that Jesus is my Lord, my old self is dead, and I have a new life in Christ. Now, you've entered into the first step of discipleship, right? Now, the rest of your life is going to be learning what it means to follow Jesus. And so here's what he says. After you've done those things, you've proclaimed Jesus, you've been baptized, you, you've confessed that he's your Lord, now he says, uh, teach them. Teach them, okay? So worship is the umbrella over which everything else covers, okay? But the next thing is i got to learn some stuff. Um, let me tell you a couple of things, uh, a couple practical things. In a month, we're going to have a Family Talk Sunday. Family Talk Sunday is when we invite all the Sunday school classes to come to the sanctuary during the 9 o'clock hour, and uh, we, we have a topic that we discuss or that we talk about, and, and uh, we share with the whole church body, whoever comes. Um, and then we have some donuts. We try to bribe people to come to stuff, okay? So um, we'll have some donuts and refreshments, stuff like that. But uh, what we're going to do at the end of, of August... Um, on the fifth Sunday there, is that we're going to talk about resources. Resources to help you grow spiritually. Resources to help you dive into the Bible. So we'll talk about different translations of the Bible and, and different uh, uh, study helps that would you know, help you to, to learn what the Bible has to teach and, and different devotionals that we find you know, inspiring and different things like we're going to talk about all those different things. So I encourage you that if you are kind of wondering, like, well, I don't know which Bible to use. Don't necessarily wait until the end of August to, to discover that. But uh, that will be a great time to learn some different things that we'll have. And we'll have uh, tables with some different things on them. So if you're wanting to do, like, family devotions, well, here's some family devotions we like. Personal study, here's some Bibles that we like. Here's some other. So we'll have some of those things out. You can order them. Uh, but we just want to make sure that people have the resources in hand uh, to be able to study the Bible, read the Bible, understand God's Word for themselves. In September, another just practical thing is that I'm going to um, begin teaching a class on discipleship. 
September 19th, okay? As we uh, reboot after uh, life actions here, and we're kind of, it's back to church Sunday, I'm going to teach discipleship. 30 um, lessons over the course of 152 weeks, or <laughs> I'm joking about that. <laughs> Maybe the class will be different than my preaching, I don't know. But we're going to go through a curriculum that's going to take us through what discipleship is. And I'm excited about that because I think there are a lot of people who uh, are new to the faith, new to the church, uh, who just need some, the basic tools of what, what, what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so we'll do that. Um, but here's the, the essence, okay, if we can get to the fundamental issue of learning. Those are great things. I, I promote those things, encourage those things. I don't promote anything higher or more so than you getting alone with this book and reading it for yourself and spending some time in prayer. Amen? One of the things that I learned in college, and, and I don't know why I did not know this before. Maybe I did, maybe I missed it, maybe it was taught and I just neglected it, I don't know. But one of the things I learned in college was how to have a personal devotional time. Um, they, they gave us the tools and the, the encouragement, and uh, they really helped us to learn how to just spend time in the Word and spend time in prayer. And they made it such a priority, it became a pattern in my life. I just, I, I knew that that was important, um, that I began to just, you know, every day spend some time in the Word, spend some time in prayer, and just build that relationship with God. And I'm going to tell you my personal opinion, and what that means is um, take it or leave it, <laughs> okay? But my personal opinion is that you cannot, can I say it this strongly? You cannot say, hmm, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. You know how I am. <laughs> okay. You can't say that you're a Christian if you're not spending time with God. I mean, you can say you believe in God, um, but how, how is it that you could say, Jesus is Lord of my life, but I spend no time with him? Uh, I, I trust God for salvation. I trust God to give me grace. I'm thankful to God for forgiving my sins. I, I believe the gospel, I, et cetera. You know, just fill in the blank, okay? But I don't spend time with God. That's a problem. Um, you maybe have accepted an intellectual um, premise but if there's no relationship, you haven't built a relationship, it's, it's like signing a marriage certificate and not, ha not moving in with your spouse. Well, I, I got married on paper, but I don't spend any time with my wife. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. There's a relationship that has to happen, that has to be developed and um, I want to encourage you, 
I, I just want to encourage you to dive into that relationship. Um, it doesn't have to be so overwhelming, okay? Um, what I learned was simply, you know, reading even beginning with a chapter of the Bible. Where do you start? I mean, start wherever you want. I mean, it would be good to start in uh, something like the Gospel of John. Um, for some people, maybe you want to start in Genesis. It, the problem is you get through Genesis, that's great, but then you get halfway through Exodus and you kind of get bogged down with some details of stuff that's like, this is not inspiring me. So that's why we say, start with Jesus. And plus, he says, teach them everything that I, what? I taught you. There's a, we don't just read the Gospels because it's the life of Jesus. We, we read the Gospels and study the Gospels because it's the teaching of Jesus, which he taught us in order to obey and follow. So wherever you start, it's fine. You know, start wherever you're interested. But get into the Word of God, um, not as a legalism, but because the Word of God has power to transform your heart. And then when you pray, what happens is that the Holy Spirit takes God's Word and begins to convict you and develop you and change you and transform you. The Holy Spirit's going to do that. But He's going to take God's Word and His truth and He's going to remind you of things that, that you don't know. Do you realize there's, there's stuff that you don't know? You don't know everything that God knows. You don't know everything that God wants. And so as we read the Bible, we're, we're getting that knowledge and that truth into our hearts and our minds and that Holy Spirit now has what I call ammunition to be able to shoot holes in our pride and our sin and our bad habits and our failures and he reminds us of who God is. Okay? So we learn. We learn what God's word says and uh, we begin to develop and change and grow. But he's, he didn't just say, teach them a, a bunch of information. He, here's what he says. Teach them to observe. Or I like the, the translation that says, teach, uh, teach them to obey. So, here's another issue. There are some people who are great Bible scholars um, who have no relationship with God. There are some people who know the Bible backwards and forwards and are not obedient. And what a tragedy it would be if you spent a lot of time learning what the Bible says and spent no time o obeying it. Because what that would be is informed rebellion. Now, now you know what you should do and you're not doing it, which makes you even more guilty before God. Um, so solution is, right, don't learn anything. Ignorance is bliss, according to Shakespeare or somebody, I don't know. The, the solution is, whatever God has impressed on your heart, through his word, by the power of his spirit, by the community of the church and mature Christians around you, obey that to the best of your knowledge and ability. And as you do, what's going to happen is you will grow spiritually. Okay? That's, that's what's going to happen. As you obey what God calls you to, you begin to grow through experience. 
what happens in a lot of people's lives is that as they obey the things that God's impressing on them, you no longer have to stress yourself out with trying to memorize the things that God wants you to do. You know them. You know what God is doing in your life, what he's saying to you. you you're beginning to actually develop that, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say intuition, but it's kind of a, a sense that in every situation I'm seeing what God wants. And so the big question um, at this point is, what does God want? Okay, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to spend time with the Lord. Second thing that we're going to do is we're going to ask the question, what does God want? How many of you are asking that question? Okay. How many of you were terrified to raise your hand? Um, when you, when you uh, ask that question, you're going to ask it in a lot of different scenarios. You're going to ask it in, the, in reference to your home life. What does God want for my marriage? How does he want me to act in my, in my home, towards my kids, towards my spouse, towards my, okay? You're asking that question, and you're being honest with yourself. Am I doing that? Am I doing what God wants or not? And if you say no, then don't freak out. Just repent and try harder. <laughs> Pray more. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask your spouse or your kids or your parents or whoever to forgive you and move on. Like we don't have to beat ourselves up over it. We just have to be honest with ourselves. And then in your school, am I doing what God wants? Okay, students. Am I acting how I need to act? Am I with the, the students that I need to be with? Am I saying the things that I should say? Am I participating or, or ref refraining from the things I should? The way that God wants not what other people's expectations are, not what mom and dad necessarily say, which they probably, you probably should listen to them, but what does God want? Am I doing what God wants? You begin to ask that question, am I the kind of employee that I need to be? Am I the kind of customer that I need to be? Am I the kind of, of driver? <laughs> I, I know what happens. We, people lose their faith behind the wheel. <laughs> Just in the, <laughs> I recently put a Christian bumper sticker window decal on my car because it keeps you accountable. They see something like that. You can't be a jerk. <laughs> At least you... And so some people will not put one in their car because... They want to be a jerk. Get some accountability. Put a Christian bumper sticker on your car, and you start driving better. Okay. <laughs> it's in my back window. I can see it. I can see it in my rearview mirror. Okay. I love that. Let's keep it coming. So... What we do is we begin, okay, in this issue of, of trying to obey, we're going to look at it in two, two terms. One is relationships. How are your relationships doing? Just ask, am I doing what I'm supposed to do in my relationships? There are going to be two things that you're going to have to deal with. One is, um, do I need to say I'm sorry to somebody about something? Is somebody uh, have a right 
to be upset with you for something that you have done or said? And are you willing to say, I'm sorry? And then the second thing is, am I willing to forgive? Has somebody hurt me that I need to forgive that person? Maybe you don't have to go say, I forgive you, but maybe in your heart you need to say, God, I forgive that person, and I, I am not going to hold a grudge. And here's what forgiveness is. Some of us don't necessarily quite know how the logistics of forgiveness works. Forgiveness is uh, never bringing it up again. Now, there's a lot, a lot of territory that we could cover with that, okay? If somebody continually is doing wrong to you, and they have never asked for forgiveness or apologized, and they're hurting you, I'm not saying just forgive that and let that abuse continue to happen, okay? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that sometimes uh, somebody does something in your life that uh, was either unintentional or it was intentional, and they said they're sorry, but you continue to beat them up over it. And in your heart, you won't forgive them, okay? That's the kind of stuff we need to begin to deal with. What would God do? How would you like it if God uh, said, I forgive you, but I'm always going to bring up all your past? Yeah, your, your sins are, are forgiven, um, but I'm going to beat you over the head with every mistake you've ever made. Does that sound like a great relationship? So we have to model this for other people, that if somebody says they're, they're sorry, I'm going to trust them as far as I can with that. I'm going to say, I forgive you, and I'm not going to bring it up again. If you do it again, I'll forgive you again, but I may not be able to trust <laughs> your character. Does that make sense? The other thing is personal purity. Uh, so your relationships, am I doing what God wants me to do? And then personal purity, am I doing what God wants me to do when nobody's looking? And our culture would say this, as long as it's not hurting anyone, then it's not wrong. Do you believe that? You know how much uh, filth and deception that is? You can do things that harm your relationship with God that will never impact anyone else. And you will be worse and worse and worse for it. So personal purity and, and how I live, whether anybody ever sees it or not, whether anybody ever knows about it or not, I want to be right with God. I'm going to obey what he's called me to because it's going to build my relationship with him. Okay, so those are the two big things, but then here's what happens, is that as you grow spiritually, and you grow in knowledge, and you grow in obedience, then what happens is now you can come back to helping other people to be disciples. Um, I'll tell you another thing. Okay, the Bible never uh, describes uh, or goes to any efforts to explain the Trinity. You know what it also doesn't ever do? It never gives us a clear system of how to make disciples. There's no A to Z, you know, discipleship for dummies in here. It is all relational. It is all um, a matter of, of modeling, of being an example, of inviting, of continuing in a constant relationship through a lifetime and learning these truths, and learning them over and over and over, and applying them over and over and over. And what happens is that as you grow as a, as a believer and as a disciple, what happens as people see that, they will notice it. 
Some of them aren't, aren't going to like it. You know that? How many of you have been a Christian long enough to know that there are people that you're trying to show what it looks like to follow Christ and they actually like you less because of it? And that's okay. But they will see a difference. They'll see the difference between light and darkness. The Bible tells us that uh, the world prefers what? The world prefers darkness, but we've still got to shine that light because as we shine that light into people's lives, they will know that there's something different about a believer than what they're seeing all around them. And when the time comes, because for most people, the time does come when they, they realize they need more than what this world has to offer. That they're not what they want to be, and this world is not fulfilling them, and there's more truth than what they've been given, and here's somebody that seems to have a, a hope that I don't have. And then the questions come, and then the invitations are received, and then people begin to change. And I don't know when that magic moment happens in everybody's life, but I, I do believe that there's potential for that. Amen? And here's what, what happens, what I believe happens, um, is that you, <laughs> this is a funny thing. It's funny to me. You know what your worst self is like. Have you, have you been there? Have you been your worst self? version of you? Anybody? How many of you were your worst version of you this morning trying to get the kids in the car? <laughs> Just um, Here's what discipleship is, if I could kind of sum it up. It is becoming the best version of you that you can be. And here's what I mean by that. God made you, he shaped you, he knows who you are, he knows what your potential is, he knows how you're supposed to be, how you're wired. When you begin to learn and grow and develop into that Christian person, um, what he does is he takes all the material of who you are and he, he makes it the, the fulfillment of who he intended you to be. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be better than somebody else or that we're going to compare each other, you know, to, our, to ourselves. Uh, what it means is that I am who I'm supposed to be in Christ, and I can never get there without him. I can't get there without him. In fact, I've seen how bad I am without him. And, and the things that come out of me and the things that I, I detest about myself, he begins to heal and forgive and to change and to transform that's discipleship, and when people see that in you, maybe they don't love it, but they do see it. They recognize that God has done something in your life, and now we're making disciples. Amen? Father, we love you, praise you, thank you uh, for the opportunity to come, to learn, to grow, to walk with you. God, I uh, am amazed that not only are, are you willing 
to let us to come into your presence, Lord. You're inviting. You're longing for us, Lord. You uh, constantly are encouraging us to come back as often as we wander away. Lord, you are willing to receive us back as many times as we, we mess up. Lord, you're willing to forgive as, as many times as we've, we've gone the wrong direction. You've been willing to, to bring us back to the right path, Lord, and that, that uh, uh, potential, Lord, is, is never exhausted. Grace is never, is never spent, Lord. And we thank you for that. We are so desperate, God, that we would just receive the grace and the mercy and the Holy Spirit over and over and over again, Lord, as we uh, walk with you uh, closer and deeper. God, I pray for each and every person. Lord, there are, there are people here today um, who are just now coming to the place where they are realizing they need Jesus. God, I pray that um, you would meet with them. Meet with them in such a way that they would know without a doubt that their faith is confirmed. Salvation is theirs. That hope of eternity uh, belongs to them, Lord. That they've made that confession that can't be taken away. It's a promise you've made to us and we receive. Lord, I pray that that would happen. I pray, God, for those who um, know you but are wandering and struggling, God, that you would um, bring that confirmation, bring that encouragement to continue that path, Lord. Continue that, that process to just can, uh, grow and learn and, and develop and um, recover. Lord, I, I pray that you would continue to just be with us as you promised. You would never leave us, but that you would always walk with us. Father, we pray as that happens, God, that you would rescue more people. And we really mean that, Lord. People are in desperate need of being rescued from their sin and themselves, Lord, in this world. God, we pray that you would draw more and more people to you and help us to be part of your rescue plan in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I invite you as we stand and sing that there may be a commitment that you need to make this morning um, to just say, yes, I'm going to start my discipleship process. I'm going to get into this word. I'm going to begin praying. I'm going to begin to obey something. If God has spoken to your heart about even just receiving Jesus as Lord, the altar is just a place for, for people to come and say yes to God. Amen? And if God is speaking to your heart, then I invite you to come and make that uh, confession right here at the altar. Let's stand and sing.